Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega nerd, Sarah Martin. Hello, craftsmen. How are you doing today? I am having a pretty fantastic day, as per usual. It is cloudy and cold, and I am over the moon, folks. I am a lover of cold weather. I I love when autumn shows us it's on its way. Today, I am really pleased to be sharing with you some audio from one of the classes that I taught over in Certainty for Overthinkers. So that's my free Facebook community where I offer a class every Saturday. You can come over, meet some cool people, have some more interaction with me. I would really love to see some of you there. And it occurred to me, I keep mentioning this Facebook group, but you might be a little bit skeptical, like, oh, what's actually going on over there? Why would I want to add another Facebook group to my life? And trust me, I understand that. (laughs) What better way to show you than to share with you something that I've shared so far just exclusively with the folks in that group? So what I am sharing with you today, which I have called Dutch Pandemic Sex Buddies, because everybody loves a catchy title, It's a class really where I am sharing two useful tools for how to ask anyone for anything. And these tools are absolutely applicable to the realm of sex and relationships. A quick word of warning, I presented this class in Zoom and was streaming it live to the Facebook group, which was awesome. The downside being that the audio is a little bit janky compared to the quality you've come to expect from this podcast. So I did just want to call it out and ask for a little bit of grace because the content is still amazing. Have a listen and I hope I see some of you over in Certainty for Overthinkers soon. Today, we're going to talk about how to ask anyone for anything which is an absolutely essential skill if you're wanting to have a sex life full of pleasure and fun and joy. And it's it's the habit of a lifetime. And it doesn't just apply to your sex life either. I'm really excited here because today I'm going to be sharing a couple of tools that I normally only ever share with one-on-one clients or in my live workshops. This knowledge, though, I really want to get it out into the world because I think it'll be a better place when we all start asking for what we want. So what's the problem? Let's scope this out. First of all, if you do not ask for what you want, you are not likely to get it. And this is sort of the foundational problem I find myself addressing with clients, with friends, anytime I'm doing strategy calls with people. And the flip side of that also is that nobody can read your mind. And I know many of us really wish that Others could read our minds, because wouldn't that be great? But the reality is we don't have that kind of power. Now, what else? You have different types of fear around asking for what you want. There isn't one single fear that holds any given person back from asking for what they want in the moment. 
And your fears didn't come from nowhere, right? They tend to be either biological because things like shame are very much a biological impulse. They're survival signals. They're there in you for that reason. They also come from the society around you that you live in, the messages that you've absorbed throughout your entire life. And they're cultural as well. So the things that hold people back from asking for what they want tend to vary from culture to culture. So that's something very much to keep in mind as we dive into asking for what you want. And also, just so you know, right, your fears, whatever they are, and in the ways that they're socially and culturally specific, they are parts of larger structures that rely on you remaining afraid, that rely on you not asking for what you want. It's, it's such bullshit. And so this is part of what I would like to help to liberate you from today. And what are some of these fears? Because I mentioned it's not just one fear, right? It tends to be a cluster of fears. We see them all swirling around, right? It might be a fear of rocking the boat. Oh, I don't, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to disrupt the calm here. Or maybe it's a fear of coming across as too aggressive. Maybe it's a fear of rejection. All of us have some of that to some extent. That's really normal but it certainly can hold you back from asking for what you want. Might be a fear of coming across as creepy. This in particular I hear when it comes to asking for what you want in a sexual context. It could be a fear of being not enough, not good enough, not feminine enough, not masculine enough, not beautiful enough, you know, like not X enough. Like take a look and see, is there something for you there that you would fill in? Imposter syndrome, that's another big one. And then the, the mother of them all in some ways is shame, which again, I mentioned earlier, shame is a survival signal. It's a social emotion. And the reason it feels so intense is because thousands and thousands of years ago, rejection was a really quick way to die. That one has a biological component as well as a social one. So I want you to take a moment and think what else, right? What are some of the fears that come up for you? Think about something right now where you'd really like to ask somebody, or there's something you really want, but you're holding back from asking. Think on that for a moment or two, right? What is holding you back from asking for what you want? What's getting in the way? Is it one of these that I listed, or is it something else? And I want to take a moment here to mention, if you've never heard of this before, this could be incredibly useful and totally explain a lot about what goes on in your life when it comes to asking for and getting what you want. And that is this idea of an ask culture versus a guest culture. And this stems from a post that was made way back in 2007 by Andrea Dondari, explaining about two different cultures that clash when it comes to asking versus guessing. And essentially in guest culture, which tends to emerge among really closely and intimately linked people and communities where there's a lot of shared understanding, guest culture is that whole, quote unquote, reading each other's minds in a way that there's certain signals or 
or ways of really indirectly indicating what it is that you want. And within a guest culture, you never should be asking. Others should be able to guess from the, the more subtle between the lines communication that you're doing. Whereas in ask culture, that is like directly asking for what you want. And where that was the expectation that if you want something, you ask. And if you're not asking, then nobody's thinking that you might want that. And you can very easily see how if you have somebody from a guest culture interacting with somebody from an ask culture, there's going to be all sorts of miscommunication. And I see this in particular when you've got folks, like one example is when you've got people who have moved to big cities from more rural locations. In a lot of more rural, small town setups, local guest cultures tend to spring up in part because you've got a small group of people who are all living in a very similar environment, who are coming from very similar backgrounds, who have a lot of shared points of cultural reference and custom. And then to go from that environment to a big city where you've got such a diversity of people, I mean, I don't think it's possible for a guest culture to emerge in a large city because it's just, it would require way too much coordination. But think about this, like have you observed this or have you ever had that frustration, for example, like I'm making it extremely clear what I want, even though I'm not saying it directly. Why can't so-and-so figure out that's what I want? Or similarly, have you ever gotten really frustrated like, I wish my friend would just ask me for what she wants. Like, I, I don't want to be hurting her feelings, but at the same time, like, I have no clue what she's after, and I can tell she's frustrated about something. So this can explain a lot. So what's the solution then? We've, we've outlined what the problems are. How do we solve them? Well, the first that I will be encouraging you to really sink into is to ask audaciously and get into a daily habit of asking for what you want in ways large and small. In, in a sense, our asking muscle is it, just that. It's like a muscle. The more that you use it, the more that you practice, the easier and easier and easier it becomes. And it's really great to practice in lots of low stakes ways, like making sure to ask for whipped cream on your hot chocolate if you want it, for example. And this is a really silly example, but you know what I mean? Like to indicate like something small where contextually it's really normal for you to be asking. It's good to practice. Or maybe if your, your waiter or like a home delivery service brings the wrong thing, like don't just accept it, like speak up and ask for what you want. Like, again, that's another example of continually practicing. You also need to be crystal clear with your asks. And I'm going to encourage all of you listening here today to say goodbye to plausible deniability. Plausible deniability is that thing that people do where they lead themselves in out. So what that can look like in a dating context might be there's a woman in your class and you've got a crush on her and you really want to ask her out but you want to maintain plausible deniability. So what do you do? You say to her, wow, I really loved what you were, you know, the book that you were talking about in class. Would you like to meet me for a coffee and talk about that a bit more? 
Have you ever done anything like that? It's not giving the full story of the intent behind your ask. Because what that does is it leaves you an out, right? In that case, you could always be like, oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't asking you for a date. Like, clearly, I was asking you to talk about a book. And therein lies the problem. Because you're not being crystal clear with your ask, you're much less likely to get what you want. Part of the solution, too, is you've got to identify your fears. So which are the ones that come up for you most often? Because the fears I listed off earlier, they can affect everyone. And it's really useful at the same time to know which come up most often for you. Because what you can then do when you know what your specific fears are is you can blunt those sharp edges of fear and transform it into courage, right? Turn it into fuel for your asking machine. And finally, the, the part of the solution that I really want to help you with here today is to put your own systems and structures in place that help you ask. So having a little bit of a process that you use can be a really useful support, especially if you're not in the habit of asking for what you want, or if it really does affect you, the idea of asking for what you want. I mean, I know what that's like, right? Maybe your stomach drops out, you feel queasy, you start sweating, you start tripping over your words. We can have these somatic symptoms that come up when we're approaching asking for something and where we really have a lot of fear around it. And I also wanna to touch on the opportunity because this isn't just about solving problems, but thinking about what is on the other side of that solution. And I, come from the perspective that asking for what you want is a revolutionary act. It's your pathway to pleasure. It's your pathway to joy and delight. And for creating that in your own life, rather than just hoping and praying that it might fall into your lap. When you offer clarity to others in your life, I also consider that a revolutionary act because that is how you enable honest relationships, sexual or otherwise, right? I mean, how often are we unclear, not only with our lovers, but with our, our family members, with our friends, with our coworkers? And how might things change if we all were able to relate with each other more honestly? I would also say, in my experience, self-awareness is where transformation begins, because once you can see it, you can't unsee it. There's something beautiful about that. Even if it can be a little bit like, oh, a little bit nervous that once I see, I can't unsee. But that's also that first step towards the change that you likely want to see in your life. And self-acceptance is the bedrock of a life courageously lived in all areas. So when you start exercising this asking muscle and when you help yourself to blunt the sharp edge of fear and live your life courageously, like self-acceptance is a big part of that. And it kicks off a virtuous cycle is what I'm wanting to say. The more courageous you are, the more self-acceptance you have, and it builds on itself. And finally, like what, what's the opportunity here? Like, cause this is all, I'm talking big concepts, right? Revolution and, and transformation, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, if you make asking simple and fun, you're more likely to do it which means you're more likely to do more of what you want in your life and less of what you don't. And speaking of more, learning to ask audaciously can bring more ease into your life, more calm, more confidence, more orgasms, 
more flow, more safety, more trust, more connections, more joy, more, more, more of those good things. So how do you do it? I'm gonna share with you two tools today that you can use to ask anyone for anything. So the first is a triple A approach. And what does that stand for? So the first A is awareness of desire. So that is becoming aware that there is something that you want. That could look like, you know, that example I gave before of plausible deniability, it could be like, there's a woman in your class and you suddenly notice, I'd like to go on a date with this person, or, you know, I might like to have sex with this person. It's becoming aware that the desire is there. And in general, you want to shorten the time frame between the awareness of your desire and action, which is the third A, by as much as possible. This is part of where a lot of folks get stuck is they become aware of desire and then they don't act. And the longer you're not acting, the more your desire starts to take a life of its own inside of your imagination. This is where the concept of the friend zone, quote unquote, is a lot of people who are maybe aware of their desire and then don't act on it. And inside of their minds, they're imagining a potential relationship, uh, sexual or otherwise with someone, but they're never taking an action towards it. They're never making a direct ask. And so that starts to spin off and take a life of its own. And the longer it goes on, the harder it becomes to ever actually ask, to ever actually take any action. But there is a step in between. And so the second A is acceptance of any possible outcome. What do I mean by that? Before you move on to action, you need to spend a little bit of time coming to a place of acceptance within yourself of whatever the answer is. Because most of the time, it's going to be one of three things. It might be yes, it might be no, or it might be, huh, well, I'm not open for that, but how about this? So it could be yes, no, or negotiation. Most of the time, if the answer that you get back is maybe, when you hear a maybe, take it as a no for now. It's, it's simpler that way and supportive of really only doing things when you've got the enthusiastic hell yeah consent from all involved. But anyway, the way I suggest approaching this is to spend a little bit of time and you imagine yourself taking the, uh, asking what you wanna ask, right? So again, using this scenario of a woman in your class, you've got a bit of a crush on. So what you do before you actually take any action is you sit down, close your eyes and imagine in your mind, okay, you're walking up to her after class. And then you're saying to her, I'm interested in getting to know you more. Would you come for a coffee with me? And then imagine her saying yes. Okay, how does it feel in your body to receive that yes? And then walk through the same thing again and imagine her saying no. Okay, and then feel into what that feels like in your body. What often happens for folks is it can be a bit stingy the first time you imagine the no. Observe it. Because what are you feeling? Is it a bit of disappointment. And I'll tell you up front, that's normal and it never goes away. And that's okay. Like it's okay to feel a little disappointed if someone says no. A disappointment isn't going to kill you. But the reason I say spend a little bit of time coming to this acceptance, doing this pre-work, because what that does is it sets you free. 
because no matter the outcome, you're prepared and you know you're gonna be okay. And then you come to action. And action most of the time will look like asking the question. But sometimes action, as you're going through this acceptance process, you might discover, huh, actually, I'm not even really clear about this thing for myself. I need to go and sort that out first. It, it can sometimes be a call to other action first. It might be, I don't know, checking in with your polycule about if your other partners feel like they're spending enough time with you as it is, and then considering for yourself, have I got enough time to potentially add another connection, yes or no? And then once you discover that, and if the answer is yes, I've got the space for another relationship, then going ahead and making the ask. That is the triple A approach. All right. The next tool is a complementary tool. And that's the ABC method for asking for what you want. And it's interesting that like asking is also in the method, but like, bear with me, this is gonna make a lot of sense. So the ABC method is asking boundaries and clarity. And this is a method you can use for formulating an ask that is consensual at every step of the process, that puts some clear boundaries around what you're asking for. And I can't emphasize enough how useful this is because one thing that holds people back from saying yes is when things are like way too open-ended. And that's in part because sometimes in our society where there isn't like a great consent culture, it can be fearful to say yes when you don't really know what it is exactly you're agreeing to. Because sometimes, I mean, think about it. Have you ever been in a position where you've said yes to something and then suddenly like there's a lot more involved than you thought? And when you try to back out, the other person goes, oh, but you said yes, and I'm, I'm counting on you. That kind of thing, which is in the air around us, can be part of what makes it hard for others to say yes. Even if like, actually, when there's clear boundaries in place, it's really easy. And it's like, yes, I would absolutely love to do this. Really great boundary to use is time. And this is particularly useful when it comes to asking for dates or meetups of all types. This could also be like one night stands and hookups. Having a time boundary in place makes it so much easier, right? Because especially like think of a first date, you know, you don't know this person yet. First date is more or less an interview for the second date to find out if you even have enough in common and enough of a, a click for it to be worth doing again. And have you ever been on a first date that just drags and drags and drags and it's like, oh my God, I didn't leave myself an out. I wanna get out of here. I'm not enjoying this, it's awkward. Whereas if you put a time boundary around it, wanna meet up from seven to nine, okay, so I'm agreeing to two hours. Easy, easier. Uh, and then clarity is like making it really clear what you're actually asking for. So I gave the example before about plausible deniability where if you say, want to come and join the, the archery team with me. That's not a clear ask for a date. That's not even a clear signal of interest. And the other person could be forgiven for thinking that what you're asking them to do is join the archery team because that is in fact what you are doing. Clarity is absolutely key. And I want to share with you an example that I absolutely love and have used many times previously in my life. I had a controversial idea. Can I share it with you? If yes, would you be interested in being friends with benefits or playmates? 
And you can add some optional context depending on the relationship that you have with this person. If yes, great, and if no, no worries at all. I was nervous to ask because I really enjoy our friendship. If yes, awesome. I'm free on Thursday from seven to 11. Would that time work for you? So what's, what's gone into the construction of this ask? A couple of things. So the opener, uh, I had a controversial idea. Can I share it? This is really great to use if you're looking to potentially change the scope of an existing relationship. So if you're already friends with somebody and you were looking to become friends with benefits, leading with a controversial idea is a really good way to, I don't know, set the stage so they know that something a little bit unexpected and potentially a little bit edgy is coming up. And it also gives them the chance to say, no, I, I can't do controversy right now. And if you get a no, then say thank you, move on. But if you get a yes, the next bit, so that first part, that's asking. That's asking before you ask in a way. Then the next bit, this would you be interested in being friends with benefits with me or playmates with me? That's clarity. That like, there's no ambiguity there. Like I've just come out and directly said it because I'm aware this is what I want. I've come to a place of an acceptance that you might say yes or no. And it's like, that's even typed out in the next line. And I love the idea of always giving people permission to say no when you make an ask especially if it's an ask where, like in this case, it's an existing friendship. But in general, actually, it's really good practice because a lot of people are scared of saying no too, worried about hurting somebody's feelings. So if you come right out and you just say, hey, if no, no worries at all, then this last part, awesome, I'm free on Thursday from seven until 11, would that time work for you? That's one example of boundaries. So that's putting a time boundary container around the, the meeting. All right, so what I want to leave you with today, a meta example. I've called it Dutch pandemic sex buddies, because I don't know if you heard this. The government of the Netherlands put out advice for single people to find a sex buddy to ride out the pandemic with. Lol. <laughs> and I kind of love this because this is a challenging time here in 2020 for dating, sex, and relationships, especially for any of us who are single or any of us who enjoy sort of more casual sex. And it's kind of how do you do this in the context that we're currently living in? So I wanted to take you through this example. So if you come to an awareness that I want a sex buddy, probably a sort of one sex buddy at a time set up to uh, ride out this pandemic with looking for someone who's interesting to me. Then the next step, so acceptance. So I accept if I ask this person, the answer can be yes, no, or a negotiation towards something else. And I get to the point where when I feel into it, I know I'm going to be okay, no matter what. And so then the action step, and this is where I have a couple of examples where it's either I am going to ask them or, huh, I guess first I need to map out my own boundaries and needs for a pandemic sex buddy, or I'm going to consider what I'm available for. Because for some people in this time, what that might be is more virtual sex. And for some people, maybe it's not even a, a sex buddy, but maybe I'm looking more like for a cuddle buddy because I really miss touch during this time. But anyway, so it's either I'm going to ask them or I'm going to get clear on what I want and then run this process again. After you've gone through it and you get to this point of, okay, I'm going to ask them, what might an ask look like using the ABC method? I've had an interesting idea. 
Can I share it? That's the asking, if yes. Would you be interested in being pandemic sex buddies? That could look like first discussing our needs and risk profiles, and if they're compatible, having fun together. That is the, the clarity that's being really specific. If yes, great, and if no, no worries. If yes, awesome. I'm free tomorrow evening from six until eight. Would that time work for you to hop on Zoom and explore this further? So there's an example that's translating it to our current context here in August, 2020. And if that's something you'd been thinking about, or maybe you've been many, many months now without a partner, and this sounds appealing, this is one way you could approach it. And, and I liked adding in that discussing your, your risk profiles, there's some really good resources available online to compare to what degree of strictness or not folks are being in terms of cautiousness around the coronavirus. So thank you everyone for joining us today. I hope that you go forth and ask for what you want. If you're somebody that likes challenge, then my challenge to all of you is to go out and try and make five asks using this framework for things large and small to just practice that muscle. So that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I hope you have taken something away from today's episode that will help you out in your life. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow or subscribe so that you never miss an episode and tell a friend about it. Share this podcast with someone who you believe can benefit. And I will catch you right back here next week. Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friendzone and download your free guide to avoiding the friendzone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today. 